welcome to the Stalford Rugby Club podcast. Um, this week joining us, we are welcomed by a lovely returning guest, a Mr. Stuart Haggis-Duncan. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, how are you, say Dave? And, of course, our host, Dave Howard, um, who's done us for the last almost year now and doing very well. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. Um, how's your, you know, how have you been this year? How are you kind of, I say, navigating through lockdown, but you know what I mean? I, I assume you're like the rest of us pretty much, but how have you been? Oh, not too bad. Getting a bit sick of the like, uh, lockdown, if I'm being honest. It's like uh, getting a bit monotonous, considering that I don't think it's going to be any different till what, end of April. Well, so I would say end of March, easiest before anything changes. But, well, mm-hmm. you know what it is. It is. <laughs> the, the daily walks. <laughs> that's it, mate. That's it. Um, I mean, before we get on to the pod, two, I say two positive points. Uh, but I bet, for, as a uh, very proud Scotsman, you're absolutely loving the Six Nations at the minute in that you, you beat England, and if we're being honest, you probably deserve to beat Wales as well. Well, I would have agreed with you until yesterday, and then it's like, uh, yeah, I came down with a bit of a side bang. But as I say, I never get myself too far in front of myself being a Scotland fan because we always do that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would have said that we probably would have hung out against Wales if we'd kept the 15 but it's not to be No I have to say I mean my um, <laughs> my two picks for, for first and second were, were France and Scotland and um, you, you both teams have just well just lit it up really been really entertaining to watch um, which as an Englishman has been quite frustrating because we've been quite quite poor and quite boring you know? Italy Obviously, it was a challenge. They've given you a bit, but would you read too much into it? I'm not 100% sure. There was definitely some points there that didn't look, still look amazing, if I'm being honest. But then again, we could say that for the rest of us. I mean, to be honest, I think Ireland dominated like, uh, Wales, the first, I mean, uh, France, for the first half of today. Mm-hmm. Without putting, obviously, the points on the board that they needed, but they definitely looked like the better team Second half, obviously, that changed. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, going into the pod this week, mate, we are we're talking all things front row. We, you know, we're following on from our from our back row chat last week. This week, we're, we're moving on to the front row and and kind of into into uncharted territory, as it were. Um, now, first and foremost, kind of what um, you know what what drew you into becoming a front row player was it was there. You know, was it the only kind of position on the board that you had interested in? Was it the only position really available to you? Or was it something actually, when you got into rugby, you thought, you know what, I quite fancy that? <laughs> well, I mean, 100% honest, I never really chose it. It was kind of given to me. Um, mm-hmm. Back in the day, when it's like I started playing rugby, when we started playing the little like, uh, side-side game, I mean, back then it was a lot different from now. They were still out to tackle. You were still out to like, do things. But as soon as we had our first game at under 16s, I was, what, about 13? It's like, uh, and I was putting his hooker. So it's like, uh, yeah, I had these two glides the other side of us because like, they were like 15, 16. And it's like, uh, I was like 13. Um, and from there, well, I'll be honest, I never really moved. Mm-hmm. So. Is. 
<laughs> despite things, I, I, I wouldn't say I, I chose the position. I wouldn't even say the Jesus position chose me because I'm like a uh, size because I was too small to do it, but maybe attitude, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Is it, you know, I mean, would you say it's a position you, you, you've enjoyed or is it just a case of you more enjoy more, more enjoy playing the sport, sorry, than, than kind of the position itself, if that makes sense? No, I would definitely say that I enjoy the position. I mean, uh, without thing, I mean, front row gets a lot of like bad stick and it gets a lot of like thing for being hard position and all that and, and it is. I mean, the end of the day, if you get yourself in the wrong position or you're getting dicked, it's like you will be bent in positions that you don't really want to be in and it will hurt. But at the same time, it's like uh, there is nothing that gives you that one-on-one like, uh, battle within a battle. Um, I've, I've come off games where we've where we've lost. I mean, and I'm not just talking like, uh, Starport here. I'm talking like, games throughout like, my life that mm-hmm. we've lost. But it's like, I've been pretty buoyed up because, I mean, I've dicked my opposite number. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, if you can like, uh, win your scrums, hold your own line-outs and things like that, Hit your psyche, uh, your rocks pretty well. You've done your job. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, <clears throat> I have to say, I mean, I, I outside of playing sevens in the fifteen kind of side code, I, I've played front row once, um, and unfortunately, we was um, we played five ways away. Digger doing a digger managed to get injured. Kind of. <laughs> Honestly, if it was a minute into the game, I'd be absolutely astonished. Um, we had no subs. <laughs> and uh, so, unfortunately, I drew the short store and had to go into, into tight head for the game. Uh-huh. Now, <laughs> I've always said it's something I, I'd never want to do again willingly. Um, but that said, I, I can 100% see where you're coming from and 100% agree with the... Um, the kind of one-on-one battle and kind of the enjoyment out of that side of it because I mean I hated playing in the position I didn't particularly enjoy being involved in that position but the one-on-one battle with my opposite prop was actually quite enjoyable and I have to say if I didn't have that throughout the game I probably wouldn't uh, I say probably wouldn't have got through it as much but probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much if that makes sense you know it really did kind of take my mind off the fact that I'd been thrown into the front row and as I say, you know, as you know, as you alluded to, every scrum, every line out about one on one battle was actually quite quite entertaining. It is. I mean it is. I mean, it's like the end of the day I don't know. I mean pe- people it's like uh, your wingers, your like uh, maybe your centers and that get this like the thrill from like uh, scoring their tries or or a great break and things like that. And as you know, it's like us as front row forwards, we don't get that typically. I mean this is an odd occasion where we might manage to look at, but um, our like uh, enjoyment comes from like you know getting your position right, dicking your front row, like uh, doing things like that. I mean, uh, it, or even like taking on something you know is really good and just holding your own. I mean, it doesn't have mm. to be like dicking them. It just it can be just as simple as just manage and hold it, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. No, again, you're 100% right there. There was a, a prop I had the uh, absolute kind of privilege and fortune to, to, to coach, and he was 50, 
God, 51, 52 at the time, yeah. playing uh, what would be the equivalent of Midlands 3 for me. Uh, first team rugby, uh, loose heads, and mate, the guy was incredible. And you, I used to know quite a lot of the players from other clubs and speaking to the, the opposition props, they used to say like, if they held their own against him, for them, that was an enjoyable match. That was a win. And actually, they, they kind of took a lot out of that game. So, like, do you know what? I thought I was going to get absolutely ruined. And I, actually, I actually held my own. So, you know, as you say, when, there is little, particularly front row, there's little wins and little battles that if you get the other hand, even if it's the odd, you know, the odd scrum here or there or the odd line out here and there, it really does kind of, I say kind of, Build you, but do you know what I mean? As you say, you, you can leave a game in a completely different mindset, and actually, you could have just got tonked 100 nil, but you've won them little individual battles. And, and as you say, you, you can leave the pitch feeling 10 feet tall. You here. can, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, I don't know what it's like in other positions. I mean, I don't, find, I mean, I've played second row and things like that. You don't get that personal feeling so much. Uh, if you get what I mean, I mean, okay, you know, you win a scrum yeah. and things like that, but it's not that personal one on one feeling. Oh, yeah, you're 100% right. 100% right. Um, now, there is a question I throw for you the uh, the dark arts, myth or uh, or reality? I'd say a bit of both. I think it's overestimated how much it actually is. And at the same time, there are definitely techniques you can use. I mean, the vast majority of them in my career have been outlawed. Um, mm-hmm. When I first started out, you know, uppercuts in the front row, it's like somebody's fighting you, somebody <laughs> really going for you, wasn't was not unheard of. I mean, they really did it. I mean, you went for everything. It's like uh Nowadays, I would say that like, uh, scrums are very, very sanitised compared to what they were. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. So there's not near the amount of things, but there's still techniques you can use. I mean, there's certain little tricks and things that you learn. And I would only say that there's two ways you learn them. One, you learn off somebody who knows them. Will give you like all that knowledge right from the start, which is amazing. Basically, just experience, just by doing it yourself and learning what like works against what. Um, and that's the hardest way because that means you are going to end up on the wrong side of things a lot of the times until you learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've always looked at the dark arts as kind of, as you say, that there's. There's the, the techniques and the kind of, you know, the slight stances and this and the other. And, you know, you, you come across the odd prop that, you know, that you get the, the odd prop that bores in every other scrum and then you get the odd prop that bores in every yeah. scrum. Do you know what I mean? And there, there is little kind of, as you say, cheats, hacks and, um, and kind of technical bits and bobs you can do. Um, <laughs> but then equally, I remember... A, a, fantastic conversation I had with a prop once and we were sat down having a few beers like and talking about the, the dark arts as it were <laughs> and his version of dark arts was he went basically he will do anything he can to try and get the upper hand yeah. and I went okay what do you mean and he said well you know I'll rub kind of deep heat or um or vix into the side of my scrum cap so when I kind of engage that smears down the side of their face and I was like right 
He goes, um, when I put my arm over to bind, he goes, if I can accidentally slip my bind slightly and get their armpit hair, I'll do that. He goes, uh, pinching that little bit at the back of their arm. Um, what else was there? That, honestly, he, he was listing kind of reams and reams of all these things. I'm like, mate, that's not dark hearts. That's just Phil. <laughs> and he's like, mate, anything that wins, anything that gets you the upper hand. <laughs> so I think it really is with the dark hearts. I think there really is kind of, as you say, two, well, two or three different perceptions. You've got the the dark arts in the sense of the techniques, you know, like I say, the boring in, the, the, the little kind of uh, niche little things here and there. And then you've got the dark arts of just pure filth. <laughs> you do. I mean, but that is dying out. I would say that it's like that was more back in the day. It's like you do, really don't tend to get that anymore. I mean... It was some tear ups in the front row when I first started out, and it's like, uh, you know, and you just start to like handle yourself because I mean, every mm-hmm. it's like both your hands are like tied up, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, um, as I say, nowadays I wouldn't say that we do so much anymore, I really don't. I mean, there's the odd little things that people do, but. No, I mean, it's not what it was at all. It's a bit like rocking. No. I mean, to be honest well, with you, I mean, back in the day, rocking, yeah. I mean, I remember when I was down in Brockwell and things like that, and some of the old boys, I mean, they would admit that they just aim for a head. And it's like, if your head was there, sick, they would rock it. And it's like, mm, I'll admit, I mean, I was a, a boy back in the day, but I would always aim for knees or, it's like, ankles and stuff like that. It's like, you know, joints, but it's like, I would always keep away from heads. Do you know what? Funny enough, you should say that. I, I will never, ever forget playing a college game. Uh, no, I tell a lie, sorry, high school game. And I was at the bottom of a ruck, my side, trying to wiggle out. And also this boot comes down and it missed my face by, if it was a ninja, I'd be amazed. Do you know what I mean? And it was just stamp, stamp, stamp. And I finally got out of the way looked up and it was our yeah. prop I remember, and luckily enough the, the whistle blew and it stopped for whatever reason and I remember yanking to one side like what the hell do you think you're doing like you, you was genuinely a whisker from my face sort of thing and his <laughs> his response was well you was in my fucking way you'll land next time <laughs> won't you and I just thought oh right okay and as you say unfortunately you do get players like that who it doesn't matter what body positions there. What's in the way? You know, they want to go into that rut by any means possible, and if that means walking over your face, it means walking over your face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, the boys that I didn't, they were more targeting rather than like uh, accidental. But it's like, uh, yeah. I mean, as I say, the game has changed massively in that time. I mean, basically, when I was young and like playing, we're talking nineties, late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, was playing men's, and it's like, uh, it was a very different game then from what it is now. Now it's it's much more sanitised. There's, there's a hell of a lot more rules. There's there's so much more, what you see, in the safety wise of things and things like that than there ever was. I mean, we got away with a hell of a lot more. Do you, on that, I mean, I, I mean, like a lot like yourself, I was... I don't know if you'd say fortunate or unfortunate, but I, I was um, kicking about on the senior side of things when we had the the scrum change of the engage yep. call. 
So obviously we used to get the old crouch, you know, crouch, touch, pause, engage, and what have you. And for me, the scrums then were a lot better. They were a lot more, um, I don't want to say a, a lot more of a battle, but you kind of, for me, you know, you said about the individual battles with the, with the front row, you kind of had like an eight man, do you know what, you left that scrum feeling good. You left that scrum going, do you know what, we got the upper hand there. With that rule change and with the engage change, do you feel as a front row you've kind of lost something from the scrums? Do you feel you've kind of lost, uh, I say that bit of the battle that perhaps you enjoyed previously? You've definitely lost, who you see, a little bit of that, um, who you see, upper harmanship, because you could go early and you could really go for it. I mean, the end of the day, it's like, uh, and there was a ban. I mean, I won't like, uh, disagree. I mean, I've went through so many like, scrum engagements, like change is unbelievable now. Um, nowadays, is more technical because you get down, you get things, and, and you're set before you actually like, engage. Whereas if you had a big, heavy pack before, I mean, on that engage, you could just destroy a pack. Uh, now, not so oh, much sure. because you're not really supposed to push before. It depends on the like, ref. I mean, obviously, if the ref lets you away with it, you can still do it. But so, uh, um, nowadays, you're supposed to pull back. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember it got to a stage for probably, what, 12, 18 months where teams were looking at, Pulling away. I don't want to say ways to cheat, to cheat the scrum. But, but ways in which you'd perhaps kind of take a step back or pull back a bit to make it look like an early in-game, yeah, like that, if that makes it's, sense. It's gone um, from the game. And you kind of had that sort of no, creeping honest, in, unfortunately, didn't you? It's not gone from the game now. I mean, it still happens. I mean, and I've yeah. done it myself at the end of the day. If you feel like, you know, you need to like, just put a little bit of doubt in like, the ref's head, you say, like, just pull back the ones, let them fall on their face, and it's like, uh, look, he's going like, too far, sir. Mm, yeah. Well, there you are. So, the dark arts continue, or or the uh, well, the genius show. Yeah, say. that's all gone. Isn't um, it? It's like it's just a little on. bit. It's like a thing. But then, is that any different from your back row player and there's like the rocks and things like that? I mean, not really. Oh no, it's it's, it's just using a bit of tactical nous, isn't it? Having that bit of that little bit up top to to know what you're doing and kind of you know, as you say. With the amount of rules that have changed and come in these days, it's them fine margins, isn't it? Yes, it can be run won and lost with your gameplay, but if you can get that upper hand by doing the smallest, littlest thing, of course, of course. Do I mean, I don't think that's typified more than it's like the pro game, which I'll be honest, after watching this weekend, I've been a little bit dismayed about. It. I mean, and it wasn't even just even this weekend, it's been like last probably year or two, I've been thinking, you know. It's like the pro game is getting a little bit boring, isn't it? Do you know what? I, I've said quite a lot, actually, over the last... Well, since the Autumn Internationals, really, um, that particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, i found more so international rugby so bloody boring. You know, I mean, at least with the Southern Hemisphere, they're going to be playing that bit more quicker, that bit more attacking, that bit more flair. Um, but the Autumn Internationals especially, uh, and kind of, probably more England, to be fair. Would, England and a little bit kind of Wales. England, I, I think it's all second national rugby. I mean, at the end of the day, 
let's be honest. It's like nowadays, we're I think we're sixty years behind league. We're falling us, I think. I mean, the the breakdowns becoming an area where there's be so much officials that you're not allowed to compete. If that's the case, then you go it's like so many repetitions. It's like the line out. I mean, it's like how many are thrown no straight nowadays? I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's almost as bad as like the scrum inputs, which were supposed to be sorted out, but now we're straight back and it's just shoving it it's like the second row seat. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, mate, I think you'd you'd be harder pressed these days to see a straight line out on a straight feed in the scrum than you would a crooked one. I, I, I genuinely believe that if you saw one well, out you've of you've got to admit that the only way that any pro team is going to win the ball back from a scrum is to get a penalty. That's it. But you're not going to get it like yeah, through. Yeah, in a lot of cases. No. No, you are right. You are right. Um, with that, though, I mean... Obviously, you talked about how the game's progressed with, with yourself through your playing years and and kind of <clears throat> into the, I said, the era that we are now. Is there anyone that kind of you looked up to as to uh, what you consider to be like the gold standard of, of, of propping? And, you know, is there anyone that you think is, you know, the, I say the ultimate front row, but, you know, I mean, like, what springs to my mind, someone like a Jason Leonard, you know, an Adam Jones, players like that, who you looked into, you know, do you know what? You were the gold standard at your at your trade, as it were. Is there anyone you really looked up to and thought, you know what, that is what I'd like to model my game on, to a degree? I would say no. There's nobody that I've really modelled my game on, but there's been a few that I've really looked up on. I mean, um, like so Tom Smith. I mean, he was tiny compared to most players, but he was strong as anything. I mm-hmm. mean, but he did it in technique, same as like Paul Wallace, like a lines tour. I mean, they took that, it's like, I mean, they didn't get dominance, but they managed to get party, which is exactly what I said. You don't necessarily have to dick the opposite number. All you got to do is manage to stop them. And I mean, what they managed to do with them, two little, well, it was a little front row compared to like the South Africa front row was amazing. And that was pure technique mm-hmm. and strength. I mean, um, I would, I mean, I gotta say, like likes of himself. Uh, there was obviously David Soul. He wasn't the biggest psychic like, prop either. It's like, uh, but he was strong as hell. I mean, obviously Scottish guys. I mean, when you go like abroad, there was the Craig Dows. There was the Lowe's, who were a little more dirty and things like that. I mean, there were some big, you know, some big units that used to say like, put in a good shift. I mean, and not. Mm-hmm. I mean. I guess if we were to pick uh, a prop that was probably before his time and defined an era was probably Oz Durant. The only player that like, ever won two World Cups. Yeah. Or in the first role. It was a phenomenal And he was huge. I mean, it's like he was 12. So, and to be on the loose head side instead of the tight head side is, well, you know, I mean, how the hell are you going like, to handle him on the hooker? Oh yeah, yeah, I tell you a um, a prop. I, I actually think was exceptionally unlucky through injuries, but one I used to love watching, and that was Sheridan. And it was just pure power and 
And then when he mixed a bit of technique and a bit of nelson into it as well, particularly his latter years when he, when he was injured and he had to be a bit more clever with how he played, I mean, mate, particularly his Toulon years. He was, wow, he was. He, but problem. then he was in the hit era. I mean, I don't know how he would have went in the modern era with the engaged rules because he wasn't the most technical. The other day he was, as you say, about no. the power. And if he had had have the technique, I think he wouldn't have been as, as what would you say, as dominant as he was. It's a bit like um, Adam Jones for Wales. I mean, there was nobody better at one point. And then they changed the rules on him. And <laughs> although he was still a good player, he just wasn't what he was. He he went from a top ten well, to probably top twenty. Well, I, I would at one point in his career, I said he'd top three. It's like uh, he easily yeah, was. Yeah. It's like he used to dominate um, many international scrums, and to be fair, that's not easy to do. No, no, and actually, you know what was thinking about again with the technical and the, and the injuries inside of it. Oh, he was one that you, really, really he would have been around for a long time. I mean, he had it all. He had the power, he had the sec technique and all the rest of it that he would have dominated for quite a while. I don't think Viapolo would have had near the amount of cups he's had if he had managed to stay fit. But unfortunately, um, mm. the body couldn't take it. And, and he's also had obviously some other health scares. So, I mean... Especially, yeah, he's had, he's had two bouts of cancer, hasn't he, unfortunately. But, yeah. I mean, wow, what a prop. Um, just to round us up then, buddy, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, as you say, you, you know, I know I mean, I know you've dabbled in a few other positions and I know you've dabbled, dabbled a bit in second row. But is there, you know, if I said to you, right, mate, you know, you, you have the, all the ability, all the attributes you need to play in this position, is there any other position in, in the squad do you go, do you know what? I'd love to give that a go. I'd love to have, be it a game, be it a season, be it you could rewrite your career. Is there any position you'd go, do you know what? If I had all the attributes to do it, I'd love to have played there. If I'm being honest, no. I'm happy with my lot. It's like at the end of the day, it's, it's probably an underrated one. I mean, you don't, I mean, the trouble is, it's like a front row is underrated for the entire team. No, it's the unglor- unglorious, it's uh, underrated position. Um, but there is a reason why mm-hmm. they're like gold dust. Um, people don't want to do it. People don't want to like, put themselves in that position. But at the same time, those that do and can do well, mm-hmm. they're like hen's teeth. Um, as I say, it, it's not about being the biggest. It's not about being even the strongest or the hardest. A lot of it really is just about the mentality, just not being beat. Um, keep on going. I mean, you yeah. don't really have to be the best. But I tell you, I mean, I've played against big boys. And I mean big boys. I mean, you know, it's like mid-20s stones, like 23, 24, 25, 26 stone, maybe even bigger. And some of them are good, but the vast majority are shit. They're only there because it's like they're there because they're size. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ones I fear are the yeah. ones that aren't that big at all because they're there for a reason. They, they're pretty damn good. I mean, especially the old boys. I mean, I remember 
I was down in Bracknell, and it's like, and we were playing. I think it was Elon at one point. What was it? It's like I can't remember Isha or something like that. Um, and oh, I was playing this big boy. I mean, I was playing loose head. I used to play it's like hooker buck then, but it's like I was playing loose head for one it's like a game, and. We had this big boy, he must have been like 25 stone, and I was kicking his ass. It was easy. I mean, he was like just big and fat. That was pretty much it. It's like I had nothing about him. Uh, and this old boy came on. He must be like, I mean, I can't remember. Back then, I was like 20, if 20, maybe 19, 20. It's like, uh, and this old boy came on. He must have been in his 50s. And he was smaller than I was, and I was thinking, it's like the end of the day, the old boys know what they're doing. There's technique in it. And there is a hell of a lot more technique than there is actual power and stuff. Got if you can like uh, channel it in the right way, you can do a hell of a lot more than you can if you're just a big strong boy that has nothing about you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know what? You know, you, you speak to a lot of. Um... A lot of rugby clubs, a lot of coaches, a lot of players and squads and stuff, and they'll tell you, you know, you can pretty much guarantee you've got three, four players for every position. You know, back row, you've normally got like 20 guys that rock up a season and go, oh, yeah, I'm a back row player. Wingers are the same. But a good prop and hooker, to be fair, is as rare as rocking horseshit. Do you know what I mean? You To find a good prop or a good hooker that will genuinely last, last the season, last the test, and and we'll, and we'll do you well in games. Yeah. It is as rare as fucking um, horseshit. Trouble is, as I say, it gets a bad press. I mean, but as I say, at the same time, if you're willing to put the psyche, the grunt in, um, without a lot of the, what you say, the adulation that a lot of the other psychic positions get, and just be happy with what you've done, it's like, <laughs> it, there's a lot to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. But as you said, them individual battles. You, you can come off a pitch getting tonked a hundred nil if you've won them individual battles. Yeah. You can come off the pitch feeling ten feet tall. So, um, mate, that rounds us up lovely this week. Um, really, really appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat with us. Um, it's nice to, to say to shine a, a positive light on the on the front row, but it's nice to give a bit more of a, an insight. No problem, no problem row. at all. So really it's uh, good to speak about. And as I say, uh, although. Uh, uh, Obviously, I'm biased. It's like, as I say, it's a position that I think more people should give a little shot, shot of. It's like, uh, I say, if you've got the mentality for it, you're never too small. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. But no problem. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and take care. Good speaking.